You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on New Year's Eve 2018. It's December 31st. Um, posting this kind of late in the day, though, so some of you will probably be listening to this in the year 2019. So, Happy New Year. Others, I can only hope this will be a staple of your New Year's Eve party. Invite John B. Uh, before you watch the ball drop in Times Square. Um, if I hope you listened to our show that was posted last night. We did a little show to wrap up the 2018 regular season because uh, we knew the news would be on their way. And not 30 seconds after I posted that show, the word broke that the Jets had dismissed Todd Bowles. And then we found out that Mike McCagnan is staying and uh, taking a leader, leading role on the search for a new head coach. Now, this week our schedule is a little unusual because, once again, it's a holiday week with New Year's Eve. But the reason this show is being posted tonight instead of our normal morning hour is I wanted to give the Jets a chance to speak. Um, you knew that there would be some sort of press event today involving Chris Johnson, the CEO, and the general manager, Mike McCagnan. And I was wondering if Todd Bowles would be there. Apparently not. So the Jets will be searching for a new head coach. And, you know, I'm going to start off by the show by saying this. Um, you know, here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, we have lots of hosts with a lot of lots of different experiences. There are some who are professional media members, do it full time, and then there are other people like me. I'm, I'm a fan. I have lived and died with this team since 1993. I've been writing about them in some capacity since 2004, and I've uh, been writing for SB Nation's Gang Green Nation website since 2008. We passed our decade anniversary a few a few months ago uh we've obviously been doing the locked on jets podcast for over two years this was the completion of our third season on the podcast so you know i tr kind of live in i kind of wear two different hats i live the i wear the hat of analyst which is what you hear most of the time on the show and but i also wear the hat of jets fan um and i, I kind of live between those two different worlds and you know so, so sometimes the experiences are really good and you know sometimes we get some laughs out of it um i remember a few years ago it was, it was last year it was 2017 the jets had their annual practice and training camp at metlife stadium and i stopped my by, by my parents house before i went out there and my mom asked me do you want me to cook you dinner tonight and i told her you know no i'm going out to the stadium for this practice um, and they'll have food in the press box. I'm sitting in the press box, and after everything this team has put me through for the last 25 years, the least they can do is buy get me a meal. And I told that to somebody I know who works for the Jets. He got a big kick out of it. So, you know, there have been there's some good experiences doing this. But I have to tell you that I just had a pit in my stomach from this team that I have not felt. And there have been some bad losses. There have been some bad moments. There have been some bad seasons. But this is only the second time I will tell you that I've sat, I've sit sitting here wondering why I even bother with this team. And the, I'll tell you the first time it was Christmas Eve, 18 years ago, Christmas Eve of 2000, and I was 14 years old. And the Jets blew a season. Uh, they, they lost their last. They were in position that year to potentially enter the playoffs as a one seed in the AFC, and they blew their last three games. And the last of which came on Christmas Eve in Baltimore, horrible game where they were up 14 nothing. And Vinny throws a pick six right before the half. And I remember thinking, man, why do I do this to myself? Why do, why do I even support this team? And for all the bad losses, this is really only the second time I'm feeling this way because I, I just do not understand what the Jets have done. And i got to be honest with you. if I, I've said this. I doubt I would give this team up because that's just not – I guess it's not in my nature. But I, I look at this and I say, man, if I wasn't doing this writing and this podcast, why would I continue with this team when they just do things that are so obviously wrong? 
And that, that's how I feel about uh, keeping this general manager. Everybody says he's a nice guy. It's not personal, but the body of work has just been it's been unacceptable. It's been bottom of the league. This is not a case where it's like, well, he's not the best, but there's room to... This guy has been, by any objective measure, this GM has been an abject failure over the last four years. And, you know, you can't tell me that I'm being impatient because, again, this is four years. After year two, there were a lot of people who, who wanted him gone. And I said, no, you got to give him more time. Even last year, I wanted to give him one more year to, you know, see if things turned around a little bit. And it just, it hasn't. This team went four and 12. This team got worse this year. Yeah, he did some good things. Yeah, Sam Darnold, I'm a big fan of that move. I mean, there are probably a few other moves that were pretty good. Williamson, it was a decent signing. Avery Williamson. I mean, it's not like every single move has been bad, but, you know, back in school, when I took when I took tests in school, you could get an F without getting a zero. You could get questions right and still get a zero. And you look at the hit rate versus the miss rate, and it's just it's bottom of the league. We've talked about this on the show. I've written about it where the Jets have been the worst team at the league drafting players who stay in the NFL. And part of the reason I was giving McCagnan the benefit of the doubt two years ago was that it was still too early to judge his 2015 draft class. So you say, you know what, maybe these guys can get better. And the same thing went for the you know 16 draft class where you know, some of the guys improved into marginal players, but it's not that good of a draft class. But you look at all the guys who get cut and then no other team wants them. The Jets have just been horrible at identifying talent. So, you know, I, we gave him the benefit of the doubt with our Darius Stewart. I gave him the benefit of the doubt with Chad Hanson. I told you Chad Hanson, I was looking at Chad Hanson to, to hopefully contribute to the team this year. Gave him the benefit of the doubt with Malden. I mean, I couldn't give him the benefit of the, doubt, of the doubt with Hackenberg, but, I mean, look at how many guys this team has drafted. Rounds two, three, four, which is where the good teams make find the impact players. That's I mean, that's one of the things that sets the bad GMs apart from the good GMs. They have guys who are, are out of the league quick. Nobody wants them. Our Darius Stewart. Hanson, Malden, Devin Smith, a little bit bad luck there, but Hackenberg, I mean, what a, how do you get off making that pick? I, it's mind-boggling to me, and it's free agency. Look at the big money contracts. I mean, the best of the bunch, the best of the, the big money contracts, contracts over $10 million are a stopgap left tackle, Kelvin Beecham, a couple good linebackers in Williamson and David Harris. I mean, most of the big money deals have been abject failures. Revis, Wilkerson, Trumaine Johnson, they've been horrible. Is the team rebuilding? No, they're they're not even in the top half of youth in the league. Um, you know, they're the 19th youngest team in the league. They're in the, they are slightly older than the average team. You can't say it's rebuilding. There's no players under contract. There's no core here. How is this four years in anything other than a horrible, horrible job? And he's going to get another chance. And look, everybody wants him to do better. Everybody's rooting for him. Everybody will be happy if uh, he succeeds. And there are instances where guys are not appre- it's not appreciated the foundation a guy's laying. But that's not the case here because there are foundational errors with with his approaches to things. With you know, you talk about the draft. Well, people say, well, every GM misses. There's luck involved. Yes, there's a lot of luck involved. It's very difficult to project these players. But two things. One, when you are missing at the rate. McCagnan's missing. And I'm, I'm not just talking about the number of misses. I'm talking about the degree to which he's missing, where these guys aren't even special teams. But nobody wants these guys that they cut. And there's too many of them. But two, and more importantly, you know, you want to, you can't play the it's all based on luck card because if it's all based on luck, then shouldn't you be stockpiling picks? Shouldn't you be adding as many picks as you can, picking multiple times round two, trading down, you know, trading players when you can for picks? Make sure you have as many because if it's all about luck, then you want as many opportunities to hit as you can. He's not doing that. He's never drafted twice in the same round of a single draft, round one, round two, round three, round four. 
The Jets have left four drafts, four drafts McCagnans here. You start with seven picks. Two of his drafts, he's ended up, he's ended with six picks. Only one is he ended with more than seven. So there are structural errors with his approaches to things. And everybody hopes he turns it around. And that's really what you're hoping for. And that's not a great thing to be hoping for, by the way. You know, you don't want the, the guy who's been one of the worst GMs in the league to have to suddenly turn it around and become one of the best. It does happen, though, but it's not what you want to be hoping for, I, I don't think. And, you know, you talk about, I mean, one of the things that I can't get over is the criticisms that, well, these bad moves were just hindsight. I'm sorry, over four years when you're putting together teams that win, especially your two, five wins, your three, five wins, your four, four wins. I'm sorry, you can't, you can't, nobody's on that unlucky where they're doing everything the right way and no, nothing's working out for four years. You can't be that unlucky. You can miss on a signing where, you know, your process is good. Sometimes it, sometimes good process leads to bad results. Sometimes bad process leads to good results. But over the long haul, you can, t you can evaluate the quality of somebody. And I just don't understand the hindsight argument. What's the league? The league's based on results. I mean... Should we not give the Eagles credit for the Super Bowl team they built a year ago? Because at the time, nobody knew move, knew the moves would work out, and it's all hindsight that it worked out. Would you say John Idzik wasn't bad because conceivably Dimitri Patterson could have worked out at a corner, and only in hindsight? I mean, you judge people by results. I mean, what what kind of world would we live in where <laughs> the day you draft somebody, that's their opinion, that's how you, the pick is evaluated? I've never heard this before. So just, uh, I am... Uh, I'm just very frustrated with uh, this uh, whole process, the way this whole thing is played out. And, you know, it's just, I, I, it's inconceivable to me. And I, I shouldn't say it's inconceivable because I saw it coming. It just amazes me how this franchise continually cannot get out of its own way. After the firing of Todd Bowles one day later, here on this Monday, the Jets held a press conference with Chris Johnson and Mike McCagnin uh, this afternoon. And... You know, my first thought was some, there was something that amazed me right off the bat. So I'm flipping around the TV and I'm putting on SNY because that's where the Jets, you know, that's the home of the Jets, where they have that post-game show. Every big press conference through the year um, has been on SNY. You know, the Jets just put everything on SNY. And not only that, but the Jets also put stuff out on Twitter. They'll... Uh, you know, they'll stream their press conference on their website, on Twitter. So I put it on SNY, and there's a women's basketball game that's on. And I'm like, okay, well, the press conference hasn't started yet. It's a replay of a basketball game, a college, college, women's college game. And I'm saying, okay, well, obviously a replay of a college game, a replay of a game, certainly. All right, they'll cut in when the press conference begins. Then suddenly I look at Twitter, and I see, like, these statements flowing in from Chris Johnson. I'm like, well, wait, hold on. What's going on here? That's, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, wait. And they find one tweet that no cameras are allowed at this press event. And I mean, are you kidding me? And I'm going to try and stay calm here because I don't want this to be like one of these shows. I don't want this to turn into like one of those shows where everything is like contrived screaming and there are lots of, you know, rants all the time. And I feel like I've been getting fired up a lot lately and it's all genuine emotion. So I'm going to try and contain myself here. But, and again, I'm speaking as a fan right now. I'm, I'm speaking as a fan. This is not me as analyst. This is me as a fan is as a fan, when you make a move like this, you, I, I feel entitled as a fan, you know, as a guy who's, I'm not a season ticket holder. I, I did not go in any games this year, but in the past I have, I'm, I'm, I would, I would consider myself a paying customer for this team. So as a customer, I would expect you as the owner to get in front of a camera and explain to me your thought process. 
and they did not do and it makes no sense because they put everything they stream everything on twitter they stream and i would love to hear the explanation for this and maybe we'll figure it out maybe i'll ask the jets why this was not on camera and it just annoyed i think it i don't know what the reason was but the optics of this made it look like chris johnson was afraid to get in front of the camera and the big issue with this is for me is i want to hear everything he's got to say and i'm not going to hear everything he's got to say if it's up to the beat writers to transcribe things on twitter because now me using my writer hat me using my analyst hat i know that you can't type everything in a press conference i've been in those rooms you can't type everything out on your phone quick enough so there are gonna be some things that are lost so that just i i don't get that i i and why would you not speak to your fans speak directly to your fans about what's happening so we're left to figure out what was said based on what the beat writers thought were the highlights of it and i'm not blaming the beat writers that's their job they're going to get as much to us as they can they just can't physically type out everything chris johnson said so that just that just drove me nuts at the, at the start of this, um, and you know I, I'm not shocked that he claimed that the team has more talent than they than the team than the team showed this season because obviously that's the, he thinks that because McCagnan has sold him on this and I think Chris Johnson's probably showing his inexperience there. I think you know you're seeing that this is not a guy with a great base of knowledge of football, so he's listening to what the GM told him, even though I mean as I said. I mean, as I've been saying, if you, you have eyes, you can see that this team's not that good. You can see that this team's not that talented. Um, so, you know, Johnson's trying to tell us that they're, they're going to be guys who are, who are improving. You know, are these late-round picks going to improve? Are these middle-round picks going to improve who aren't contributing? Well, that's what I was told, you know, about Lorenzo Malden. That's what I was told about Justin Burris. And it hasn't panned out yet, so I don't know why I'd give this GM the benefit. You hope it does, but... I mean, every time you, you've gone out on a limb for this GM, it hasn't panned out. So you have that. Um, you have the fact that, and this was, uh, to me, this was the thing that bugged me. There were lots of things that bugged me. This, this was, was one of the big ones is he pretty much ruled out the idea that the Jets are going to hire a coach who's in charge of personnel. And I've got to be honest with you. I'd be very hesitant to give a coach the uh, ability to have the final say over personnel because I don't think there are a lot of coaches who are up to that job. But they tend to be the big fit, you know, the guys you really want, the guys who have gravitas. And to just rule that out, out of hand, makes no sense. You're limiting your coaching search to begin with, and you're ruling out the guys with the best resumes. So I'm not saying I would necessarily want them. I'm saying not saying all things equal, that's what I want. But how do you rule that out from the outset? And this just destroys the argument that Mike McCagden's not going to have, an, keeping Mike McCagden's not going to have an impact on this race, on this uh, on this. Uh, ch- um, this chase to, to find a head coach on this on this process because it clearly is because they've just decided Mike McCagnins knows what he's doing and I, I just don't get how, how you can say that I mean I can see where you do uh, to an extent I can understand if you say give McCagnin more time but there's no defending the record right now if you want to give him you think something's going to happen in year five that's going to make it better I guess maybe I can kind of see where you're coming from but I I mean why didn't it happen after year one after year two after year three I don't, I don't see why there'd be reason. But you can't defend the record. You can't go out there and say that McCagnin is a great personnel guy because we know that's not true. And we know that based on – and you can't tell me this team has a lot of talent. I mean, look at the team they put on the field this game. And they have the fifth round, the, the corner they traded a pick to get, Rashard Robinson, going getting toasted left and right. I mean, that offensive line. I mean, how do you get up there and say, say that this team has talent? And it's just – it's tough for me to believe. I want to close the show today by talking about the job Todd Bowles did as head coach. And 
I think that it's pretty clear Todd Moles was not up to this job. He was, in retrospect, he was not the right pick for the job. He just, you know, he never grew as a coach in a lot of ways. He did not build a good staff. His coordinator hires were not that good. Um, you know, he stuck with the defensive coordinator till the end, even though that unit underwhelmed. He constantly was tinkering with the offensive coordinators um, and you know, ends up with Jeremy Bates to develop his young quarterback. That's not any good. Game management was an issue. So listen, Todd Bowles did not do a good job. And there is an argument to be made. I think it's a fair argument to be made that this team would have won more games this year with better coaching. That, I, that's, that's a fair argument to make. But the problem I have with this, and again, it was justified. We've talked about Bowles. Look, there's no. I'm not going to kick the guy on his way out. He, um, see, oh, oh, everybody thinks he's a classy guy. I, I hope he lands on his feet. I hope he does well, and I hope you know he remembers this as you know something he learns from. I hope he has a learning experience. I hope he takes some time off. Maybe goes back and becomes a defensive coordinator. I think he'd be making a mistake by taking another head coaching job right off the bat. I, I always think that's a mistake after you, you know, especially after a failed tenure to jump right back in. I think he needs some time away to kind of reassess what went wrong here in New York, but. The thing about the, these arguments against Bowles is, and the, these are arguments I've seen co- used constantly to like say that Bowles is to blame for everything. Is every single one of them can be flipped back onto the GM. You can make the, you just as easily make the same case. It's, and the point is that bad coaching and bad personnel decisions are not mutually exclusive. I mean, you want to say that with better coaching, the Jets would have won more games this year. That's a fair assessment. But you know, it's also a fair assessment is that if the Jets had more game-changing talent provided on their roster they also would have won more games this year you, know, you talk about key spots when games got away well how about a good pass rusher who can get the big sack to close out the game how about a big ride receiver who can go up and get a ball in the air and make a make a big catch in a, in a key spot in a clutch spot you know how about that and you know you talk about you know well these players would be better with with good coaching you know McCagnan can't be judged because look at the coaching they've got well you can flip it on that well how can bowls be judged Look at the players he's got. The only year Bowles had players, he won 10 games. The only year he had a halfway decent roster, he won 10 games. That's uh, that's another point that needs to be made. And the fact of the matter is that this team went from 10 wins to 5 wins to 5 wins to 4 wins. It was the same coach that started with 10 wins. So how the, if Bowles couldn't win with any talent, how do you win 10 games the first year? This is these are just the arguments that fall, I think these are the arguments that fall apart. And it's it's very subjective and it's not provable. But you can just as easily use that to say Bowles deserve to stay. I think the truth is that nobody's performed well when you have a four and twelve football team. Odds are it's bad talent and bad coaching. I mean I don't think anybody's going to come in next year with Jonathan Harrison and Spencer Long and Brian Winters in the middle of your offensive line and say and suddenly they're going to be coached up and become good offensive linemen. At some point, talent matters too, and. I think the Jets have made a big mistake. I think the Jets have made a mistake. And now what you're, and the problem is, like, I look at the scenarios. You look at the scenarios. And is there a scenario where McCagnan improves? Of course there is. Maybe he learns from, from his lesson. Maybe he learns from his mistakes. But I don't want to be in a spot. I want to be in a spot where there's a plausible, where I see something plausible that makes me, gives me confidence in the guy. I don't want to be in a spot. And you look, if McCagnan improves, everybody's going to be happy. And, you know, he'll get credit. And no, it's not going to be a case where you, you look back on this show and say, wow, you were so, so wrong. No, I'm not wrong. He's done a bad job. I want him to improve. But I don't want to be in a spot right now where I'm just hoping for no reason at all that he just, that, that by chance he gets better, where I don't have anything to hang my hat on. I think that's where the Jets have ultimately failed here. And I, I it amazes me that this team just can't, this team just finds a way to get in its own way. And, you know, people, 
one of the criticisms I've heard on my website today is, well, the move is done. You can't complain about it. You can absolutely complain about it now. Everybody knows the GM is going to be here next year. Yes, obviously the GM is going to be here next year, but that doesn't mean you have to accept it in the first 24 hours. We're here to evaluate the moves the team's making. We're here to evaluate whether it's good or not. And you know something? At some point, you can't blame me for pointing out. You, know, you can't blame the messenger when the team's won 14 games the last time. You've got to, maybe the, the finger should be pointed at the team. The team was better. The message would be better. You know, and the team just seems to not be able to get out of its own way. The team can't put a good roster on the field. We'll see. We'll see what kind of coaching staff they assemble. Um, some intriguing names early in, the, in this coaching search, but nothing's going to change unless this GM starts getting a lot better at his job. And again, I would rather just start fresh. I'd rather start new. I'd rather have a new GM in place. You know, find somebody who I think can evaluate talent instead of having a guy who we've seen cannot evaluate talent, try and improve. And that's that's where we're at as we put a bow on 2018. Thanks for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify. Leave the show a good review on iTunes if you do enjoy it. Hope you have a very happy new year. I think we'll be off tomorrow, but we will be back later in the week. Take care, everybody.